Turn your Bible to the book of Acts, the ninth chapter, chapter 9, verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul, still drawing his breath hard from threatening and murderous desire against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and requested of him letters to the synagogues of Damascus, authorizing him so that if he found any men or women belonging to the way of life as determined by faith in Jesus Christ, that he might bring them bound with chains to Jerusalem. Now as he traveled on, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell to the ground. And then he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why persecute? Why are you persecuting me, harassing, troubling, and molesting me? And Saul said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is dangerous, and it will turn out badly for you to keep kicking against the goad, to offer vain and perilous resistance. Trembling and astonishing, he asked, Lord, what do you desire me to do? And the Lord said to him, but arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Then men who were accompanying him were, were unable to speak for terror, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Then Saul got up from the ground, but though his eyes were opened, he could see nothing. Did you notice that line? His eyes were open, but he couldn't see nothing. Mm -hmm. I could preach around that, but I won't. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was unable to see for three days. Even though he could see, he couldn't see for three days. And he neither ate nor drank anything. Now there was in Damascus a disciple named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight and ask at the house of Judas for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying there. And as he has seen in a vision, a man named Ananias enter and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard many people tell about this man, especially how much evil and what great suffering he has brought on your saints at Jerusalem. Now, here, now he is here and has authority from the high priest to put into chains all who call upon your name. But the Lord said unto him, Go, for this man is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and descendants of Israel. In other words, God can use who God chooses to use. Look at your neighbor and said, I told you. Verse 16. For I will make clear to him how much he will be afflicted. How would you like your, your calling to start off with how much you're going to be afflicted? But I will make clear to him how much he will be afflicted and must endure and suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias left and went into the house, and he laid his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul. I love the way that he approached him. He called him brother. And the Lord, he said, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you along the way by which you came here has sent me to you that you may recover your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And be filled with the Holy Spirit. What was the first order? Receive your sight 
be filled with the Holy Spirit. And instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he recovered his sight. Then he arose and was baptized. Mm -hmm. Look at this. Receive your sight, then be filled with the Holy Spirit, and then we'll get around to water baptism. Mm -hmm. And after he took some food, he was strengthened for several days. Afterward, he remained with the disciples at Damascus and immediately in the synagogue. Immediately, see this? He just got called. He just got called. He's been hanging around just a few days. But the first thing he does, the first order of business, immediately in the synagogue, he proclaimed Jesus. He went back to the people that he was representing and said, hey, this Jesus you sent me out to stamp out, I want you to know about him. Mm, I'm preaching, quit it. He is the son of God. Verse 21, and all who heard him were amazed and said, is not this the very man who harassed and overthrew and destroyed in Jerusalem those who called upon his name? And he has come here to express for the express purpose of arresting them and bringing them in chains before the, ch the chief priest. But Saul increased all the more in strength and continued to confound and to put to confusion the Jews who lived in Damascus by comparing and, and examining evidence and proving that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah. And after considerable time had lapsed, the Jews conspired to put Saul out of the way by slaying him. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. We ask, Father, now that you would help me in a timely fashion to, to say what is on the Spirit's heart and the Spirit's mind. Father, I have some things on paper. I will stay close to that. But, God, I pray, Lord, that you will speak beyond my paper, beyond my thoughts, beyond my reasoning, and speak through the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, the one called alongside, to speak to all of us. For we have the earnest down payment of, of the kingdom, Father, that is uh, here and on its way. And so, God, we ask, Father, that, that everything that is said from this moment forward would be a challenge in our life in the kingdom. We give you the honor in Jesus' name, amen, amen. You can be seated. So if I was going to title this message today, it would be this, Suddenly is Now, Part 2. Some of you remember a couple of weeks ago I preached about Suddenly is Now, and we talked about the Mount of Transfiguration and the Disciples. And it was a powerful message. It was a powerful revelation. I don't know that today's revelation as, is as inspiring as that one, but I do know that God works in suddenlies. And for the next couple of times that I'm up here preaching, I'm going to be preaching in suddenly is now. Stand up and show everybody that. That's awesome. Look at that. New shirts that are being made. Suddenly is now. <laughs> I'd never seen that before. So suddenly is now. Turn to your neighbor and say, suddenly is now. How many knows God works in suddenlies? He shows up in the most unexpected time and does things so far beyond you, so be far beyond what you could even think to ask sometimes that it is just mind-boggling. Amen? So look at this. Suddenly is now because suddenly is God. God is in every godly suddenly. 
He rides upon suddenly into our life. He speaks sudden things to us. You can be minding your business one minute and the next minute have an epiphany from God because through the Holy Ghost, he speaks into your inner man and you can get a, a laid out map for the, the entirety of the rest of your life in a millisecond. God moves in mysterious ways, but I, I don't think they're sometimes as mysterious as, as they are suddenly. Now, we know the Bible says God moves in mysterious ways. It's mysterious to us, but it's certainly not mysterious in the spirit. And we're more than natural creatures. We're supernatural creatures. The problem is, is the first man, Adam, he, he stunted us to become just natural creatures. And so when we're born, we operate as a natural creature here in this life. But when you've been introduced to the Lord Jesus Christ, you become a supernatural being. And the suddenlies of God do not uh, cause you to fear or quake. They cause you to be excited to action. Something about us suddenly when God speaks, it says, oh yeah, we can do it because I've got God on my side. He is my partner. When the Lord told me to resign my church a few years ago, I thought I was headed to another place at another time for a different revival. And the Lord allowed me to walk around in the wilderness for two years. But suddenly, suddenly one morning I was impressed to drive to Cameron, Missouri. And I drove up here with Pastor Colleen and and we went to a church across town, the little building across town. And there we met with the pastor. And the pastor, as we were meeting with her, we began to pray. And we began to pray for revival for this region. And we began, I began to stand in the sanctuary. And I began to do something that was really different. I, I have never done this in my life. I'm not a real charismatic person. But while I was praying, I went through the motions of a fisherman throwing nets. And I did it in all four directions, and I began to declare and to decree and to prophesy that there was a mighty revival about to happen in this region, and two weeks later, I was the pastor of that church. <laughs> God works in suddenlies. I was minding my own business and the Lord began to speak about revival, and I began to write it down. And since that time, the Lord has kept his word. We were in a massive drought at the time, and the Lord said uh, that he was about to open up the heavens and pour out uh, uh, liquid refreshment from heaven. And he did, and as he did, we've never been in that kind of a uh, drought since then. We've had little moments of drought, but just about the time we think, oh, it's starting to look hopeless, God. God opens up the heavens and he reigns again because when he gives you a word and he promises to do something, he means it and he keeps it. And so the Lord began to speak revival about this place. This past couple of weeks, I, I, I was getting a little bit weary with the rain and I started to say something and I, and I caught myself, Pastor Jerry, and I went, Ooh. I'm not going to speak about what God has given me as a natural sign for what he's about to do in this region and in this area. For the barren fields are now about to produce a harvest. Can you say amen? So God is in the suddenlies. 
May I suggest today that God is in, around, and through, and intertwined in the move of suddenly. That word suddenly means happening or coming unexpectedly. How many times has God done something in your life that you did not expect? How many was excited when it was done that God did something far beyond what you were thinking or you could possibly get your mind around? Suddenly means happening or coming unexpectedly. It also means, listen to this, changing angle or character all at once. Only in the gospel of Jesus Christ, only only in the house of God can you walk through that door, burdened down, troubled, in, in hardship, and can't find yourself nor find your way. You don't know up from down or north from south. You're just lost in a fog. But in one moment of calling from God, when you run to the altar of God, in an instant you can come in one way and leave another because God works in a suddenly. You can come in burdened and leave free. You can leave so free that you don't know what to do with yourself. You want to dance a jig down the aisle until you make it to the parking lot. And then when you get to the parking lot, you act really undignified. <laughs> Only God can change a man's character in an instant. This is what happened to Paul. His character changed in an instant. He was a murderous, religious zealot and he came to the region to carry it out. But little did he know that he was going to have a suddenly with God. He didn't know he was going to be marked by or manifested in an abruptness of haste in the power of God. It also means brought about in a short time. He didn't know that his life was about to change. When he left Jerusalem, he had one mission on his mind, one purpose on his mind, and he was dogged determined that he would carry it out. But before he reached the region, before he could carry out his first act of persecution and violence, he was interrupted by the master from heaven in a suddenly and blinded by the light. Mm, I'm going to preach. I'm in trouble. Blinded by the light, in an instant, his character went from murderous, zealot, to ardent believer in a moment's time. If that happened to you, slap your neighbor a high five. Mm. In creation, in the creation of the world, bang, suddenly building blocks of creation came from out of nowhere. Why? Because God is a God of suddenly. Light rose out of darkness. Everything, it says the face of the deep was dark, but light rose out of the darkness, and it didn't just rise out of darkness, it overtook darkness. Order came and was developed in the midst of chaos. Land arose out of water. Plant life emerged, then animal life, and then 
the crown jewel of God's creation was mankind. The only creation that the Bible says that he formed by hand from the dust. And suddenly the breath of God filled his lungs and man Man took in the breath of God and exhaled back to him the life that God had breathed into him. So when God breathed into man, he inhaled. And when he breathed back, he breathed back to God, the mirror image of God, by breathing that life back to him in an exhale. Mm-hmm. May I suggest that every breath that you take is a witness that there is a God. Every time you fill your lungs with with oxygen, you are worshiping because you were created to breathe in and breathe out life. Breathe in life, breathe out life. Breathe in life, breathe out life. Oh, but may I suggest this, that not only is every breath a witness, but when we return that breath with adoration and thankfulness, that breath becomes uh, the highest form of praise. Every animal in the animal kingdom, whatever it does, if it's an eagle and it flaps its mighty wings and soars above in the heavenlies, when he's carrying out the mission God created him for, he's crying out, there is a God. There is a God. Jehovah is his name. There is a God. There is a Savior, Christ Jesus. There is a Holy Spirit. And you and I, when we come into this place by an act of our own will, because we've come to this place and in a suddenly of God had the burst of light that was found in creation birth life in us and suddenly we walked in the living dead but we leave the living living because we had an encounter with God almighty in us suddenly and when we lift up our voice and we begin to magnify him the angels step back to hear what we have to say because they've never been on this side of being lost and undone and they don't understand the praise of a child of God who's been redeemed from their past, redeemed from their sin, redeemed from the thing that was killing them. They don't understand what it is to have been lost and fallen and broken and in a mess. Oh, but they stand back in fascination when mankind begins to say, oh, there is a God and Jesus is his name. When we sing the songs of Zion, when we play instruments unto him, we are letting heaven know what worship feels like from someone who knows the value of what it is to have been nothing and suddenly be something in God. Every act of creation was suddenly. Let me say that again. Every act of creation was a suddenly. Because suddenly begins and ends in God. Now, that poses a question. And thank you for asking it. Wait a minute, Pastor. Don't bad things happen in suddenlies? Yes. 
They do now. But it's all because of the corruption of man and his treasonous sin. It was never in God's design. We were supposed to just go from suddenly to suddenly to suddenly in God. But when man chose rebellion to the instruction of God, he released a whirlwind of tragedy, heartache, disease, and death through a self-pronounced curse. You think man wasn't powerful in the way that we were created? You think our authority didn't mean something? I'm here to tell you, our authority meant everything. For we were created in the very image and the likeness of God. We carried his authority in the earth. Our assignment was to make the earth look like heaven. But when man chose to go the way he chose, through a little temptation, a little beguiling. He set us up for the condition that we walk in this place to the altar too. And as difficult as it is, as confusing as life can be, as sometimes I struggle within myself, sometimes I feel like Paul over in, in the book of, of Romans in the, in the seventh chapter, sometimes I feel like, oh, wretched man. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who are you? Why can't you keep yourself in alignment? But then I'm reminded of chapter 8 and verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. For he brings about life and life abundant. When Christ called you in a suddenly he baptized you in life itself he baptized you into eternity he gave you a worth and a value you would not have ever been able to earn on this earth but because of God and his suddenly now you've been translated from the lost and the hopeless and to those who are absolutely the crown jewel of God God's creation once again carrying the likeness of the second man, Adam, Christ Jesus. And when the Lord looks at you, he gets so excited that he wants to sing over you. Did you know that? God sings over you, each and every one of you individually. God loves you so much that the Bible declares he sings over you with rejoicing. That's how important you are to him And to the kingdom, that's why he bankrolled all of heaven to send Jesus to help us get out of the hopeless trap that the first man, Adam, got us into. And my heart bleeds today. I watched as these young folks were going through their graduation and my heart soared, especially over the great things that were said over each child. I wish I would have had as much on the ball as some of these young people at their age. When I look at them, I go, this next generation has a hope. This next generation might very well be the greatest generation that the earth has ever seen for the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because they're not going to know a lot of religiosity. They're going to know the Savior and the fullness of who he is. But yes, yes, hardships come 
in suddenlies because of what man has done. So now in the life of man, suddenly can bring about grief as well as rapture. But today I've come to focus on the suddenly of God. And let me suggest this is not in my notes, but I'm going to throw this out because the Holy Spirit just whispered this to me. For every grief bringing suddenly, the power of Christ Jesus has the power to overturn, intervene, and steal the victory of that defeat into victory of Jesus Christ. If you believe that, give the Lord a shout of praise. <clears throat> but I want to focus on the suddenly of God, which is always a good thing. Oh, my. Look at this. We know about the creator, the way maker, the rescuer, the jail cell opening water, walking storm calming Jesus. But today I want to focus on the abrupt, upending, overturning, redirecting Jesus. Like Saul, who became Paul, you can leave your house in the morning headed one way and wind up in a total different direction before you even really get started. Paul headed out from Damascus with persecution in his, or from, from uh, Israel, uh, Jerusalem, with persecution in his mind, leading the charge to round up those who believe in Jesus Christ. But when he reached Damascus, everything changed suddenly. Do you know what the word Damascus means? It means a well-watered place. He left the dry, dried-up recesses of man's idea of religion wrapped up in a law that he could not keep with a religious zeal that he was going to make the world conform to his form of religion only to end up taking his old dried up pruny soul into a place that's well watered where he had an encounter with the Lord Jesus and took his first drink of living water for the first time. Hmm. Damascus is the place of refreshing, a place to encounter the answer for the insatiable thirst in your soul. How many of you ever lived your life before Christ and there was just something in you that just kept telling you there's more? You couldn't drink enough. You couldn't drug enough. You couldn't curse enough. You couldn't tell enough dirty jokes. You couldn't get hung up in, in scenes your eyes shouldn't see enough. Nothing would fulfill that thing on the inside of you that told you there's more. And no matter what you added, if you went the route of wealth and riches, you got there only to find out it all, it all rusts. It all gets into trouble. It all has to be maintained. It all has to be painted. It all has to be fixed. You go down those roads only to find out there's not enough in me to make me happy. You don't know what joy is until you come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Unless you've had a suddenly with him, you don't know joy. You, don't even, you haven't even begun 
began to live yet. I didn't start living until I met him. And then when I met him, I couldn't quit living. I, for a little while, dabbled a little bit. I got born again, but then I dabbled a little bit. Don't ever do that. But I did. And I found out something. You can't forget what you know. You'll never escape back into sin and feel good about it. You can't. Now, you might get out there, and you might be stubborn, and you might even die out there, but I'm telling you, you'll not enjoy the journey. Once you've had that life-satisfying drink of living water, something in you says, oh, yes, get it all, Lord. Take all of me. I want you to have all of me. Sometimes I get overwhelmed in the presence of God, and all I can do is lay this big, fat, wide nose right on the carpet and spread it out a little more and just cry out, God, I need you. Lord, I need you. There are moments in my life, even in the ministry, serving and moving and going and having my being in Christ, that I go, Lord, I just need a little more. I just want a little more. If you want a good addiction, get addicted to Jesus. Because the drugs will leave you flat. Alcohol will leave you flat. But Jesus will just make the next tire a little bit better. Every high in Jesus is better than the one I had before. And when I get into him, it, it, it's, like, it's like I'm fully alive. Have you ever, life, life will kind of try to weigh you down from time to time, day to day. But when you come into the house of God, how many could relate to this? When you come into the house of God and the music strikes, something in you goes, yeah. Pour it on me, Jesus. Pour it on me. Fill me to overflowing. Give me something to shout about. Fill my mouth with your praise. Fill my heart with your goodness. Fill me up with your life. I've got to hurry. You people are making me preach. <laughs> so Damascus is a place of refreshing, a place to encounter the answer for the insatiable thirst of your soul where parched palates are satisfied in a life-altering encounter with the living water that was offered to the Samaritan woman. What was offered to the Samaritan woman was also offered to Paul on the Damascus Road. That woman that Jesus went out of his way to get to. I don't want to embarrass anybody, but Bobby Warner, Jesus went out of his way to get to you. And we could all say that. We all have that same testimony. Bobby's not more special. He wasn't any more lost than any of the rest of us. It's just he was at the place where he was sick of being Bobby Warner. And now he's Bobby Warner wrapped up in Christ Jesus. Don't do that. I'll jump off his stage and run around this room. And then I'll get a walker. <laughs> I got to hurry. 
If God offered it to the Samaritan woman and he's offering it to Paul while still in a murderous rage, what in the world makes you think you're so bad God can't reach you? Paul, in the intense drive of the darkness of religious zeal, doesn't mind murder if he needs to. But in the midst of that darkness, like a flash of light that separated the light from the darkness in creation, Jesus shows up in a burst of transformed brilliance like at the Mount of Transfiguration and revealed to Paul his true condition. Paul, spiritually, you are blind. You can't see past your nose, boy. You think you're doing me a favor, but you're not doing me a favor. You're persecuting me, which tells me that Jesus takes it personal when you are persecuted for the cause of Jesus Christ. Mm. I got to hurry. Why is it Sunday mornings are so short? Time speeds up on Sunday morning. I don't know what it is. <laughs> you are blind, Paul. Your zeal for truth is jaded by man's want and desire, not God's. And how much of the church today is blinded by man's want? Our need for nickels and noses and big buildings and big pavilions instead of the unsearchable unexhaustible, inerrant word of the living God. Because none of that other stuff will change you. But just opening this and reading it, the words are living. They are spirit and life. And they can bounce off of the page how into your soul suddenly burst forth in light and suddenly just like the birthing in the natural of a child you are reborn in a second birth unto God brought back from death unto life and filled with the life of Jesus Christ himself <laughs> so who He's telling Paul, you're little more than a mockery to me. This is why he knocks him to the ground and blinds him. He wants him to know that your religious zeal is nothing but a mockery to the household of heaven. You're not helping God. You're hindering God. But then Jesus says, but I like your zeal. Paul, I like your zeal. I don't know why you're persecuting me, but I like the way you believe that what you're doing is right. So Jesus says, Paul, <laughs> I'm going to change your direction. You're no longer Saul, but you were Paul because I'm going to change your character so much that I got to change your name. People won't recognize you as Saul. They'll only recognize you as Paul now. People who feared the name Saul won't fear the name Paul. And because I'm investing in you in this suddenly and changing your character in your heart, 
All it took from Saul was one willing moment when he said, Who are you, Lord? Who are you? And Jesus said, It is me, Jesus, whom you persecute. And Paul in that moment said, Whatever you want. Whatever you want, count me in. And so then he gets this wonderful, unique call from God. All right, you're mine, I'm yours. Get ready, I'm going to let you suffer. Huh, come on. We think suffering is something being put upon on us. When God sometimes sees it as the avenue of promotion to get you to the place you need to go to reach the people you need to reach that you couldn't reach any other way. Mm. Some of you look at me like, Pastor, do not proclaim that over this house. I am not. He says to Paul, you're going to be a tremendous asset to the kingdom and you will feel what it is like now. To be the persecuted. And get this. Paul said yes. That is when you know it's a true encounter. That is when you know. When you come to Christ Jesus. If all we give you is a simple little form prayer. Pray with me. And there's no, there's no encounter and no life change process. No suddenly happening in your heart. You'll go back out that door. And pretty soon the religious zeal that you felt when you came to the altar will wane away. But you know you're true to Jesus Christ. When something down on the inside of you says, Even if he slays me, yet will I serve him and you begin to echo words like the words of Job, that whatever comes, come hell or high water, I'm in this thing for the cause of Jesus Christ because I know the inner peace that I have and the assurance that I have that after this life, I have life abundant in him forevermore in eternity. Wow, long-winded preachers. So Paul said yes. In a sudden encounter, he was changed. His direction changed. His mission changed. His heart, the inner man, not the muscle that beats, but the inner man, the soul, the spirit changed who he was. And what he stood for. When Christ brings us suddenly to an unregenerated soul, you walk into this place a miserable living soul. But you leave this place a soul who's in connection with the spirit likeness of God Almighty on the inside of him, been reborn again. What was dead is now alive and resurrected and you come up with Christ Jesus and you leave differently than you came in. His heart was changed. Everything about him changed. His want changed. 
His will was changed. In fact, his will was abandoned. His beliefs changed by realigning his passion and focus on the Messiah and the Messiah's interpretation of the Father, he became a different man. And suddenly a fierce persecutor turns sold out believer. Are you still with me? We're almost through. Now a true friend of God with personal heart knowledge of the truth, not just mental assent that there's a God. Now he has the living proof on the inside, the down payment of heaven. He has the earnest of God that your name has been written in the Lamb's book of life and everything you do from now is in the center of my focus and you are the apple of my eye and I'll not take my eye off of you as long as you live and I'll be standing at the gates and the portals of heaven at the end of your assignment saying, welcome home. Welcome home, child. Welcome home. Well done. Well done. Well done. Well done. You did fabulous, boy. Come on in. Mm. Phew. Now a true friend of God with personal heart knowledge of the truth. His religion turned on him in a murderous intent in verse 23. By all rights, we would have called Paul a good man because he was a pious man in what he believed was the righteousness of God. But we found out that his righteousness turned on him and was ready to kill him because he'd had a change of heart. May I suggest that the world you came from would kill you now because they don't want to hear your message. How many of you lost friends when you came to Jesus? How many of you have struggled, even, maybe sometimes even in your family, because they don't believe the same way you do, and you're just a little too Pentecostal for them? You're just a little too zealous. Can't we talk about something other than God? You ever heard that one? <laughs> right answer, Bobby. We've all heard that. But when you're changed to the very core of who you are, it's as if every fiber of your being goes through that transformation. You're transformed, transfigured like Christ was when he proved to the world that he was the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. That same Christ is on the inside of you in that condition and now you're illuminating Christ. He's illuminating everything in you. And he reached down and grabbed your dead spirit and shook it to life. Mm. I got to finish. Now here's what I want you to see. Not only did Paul have a suddenly undeniable encounter with Jesus, but he was released from his oppressive spiritual condition of blindness. And then filled with the Holy Spirit baptism or empowered before his external water baptism. When Christ comes into you to bring life, he doesn't come in to bring life so you can run around and be another religious zealot who wears a three-pound cross on your neck and carry a 12-pound Bible to beat your friends with. 
He saves you so that you will be enlightened to a better life than you've ever known. That you will walk around with the earnest of heaven. What you need to understand is you're here in this life as a sojourner. You're passing through. You're just passing through. Because you are already a card-carrying, flag-waving citizen of a country where the streets are pure gold. Twelve gates to the city, each one a single pearl. What kind of an oyster was that? A city that has 12 foundations and they're everyone precious stones. There'll be no inflation in heaven. There'll be no poverty in heaven. For you'll be as rich as your soul is right now because of him. Some of you are going, where's my mansion? I want my mansion. You'll get it. He was saved, enlightened, then empowered with the dunamis through the Holy Spirit. This same Paul could, could work miraculous signs and wonders and wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He preached longer than this Pentecostal preacher. Because he would preach so long, people would get tired, fall out of windows, and die. And then he'd resurrect them. Boom! No one here has ever died because of one of my sermons. Thank God. <laughs> Although there's some probably secretly in their heart right now saying, I feel like it. He was empowered with the dunamis, then marked by water baptism as a true, dead-to-self, disciplined learner and follower of Christ. If you haven't been baptized, first let's get hands laid on you. Let's get you filled with the dunamis power of God through the Holy Spirit. And then let's get you underwater till the last bubble is coming up. I'll bring you up just before you go, three. <laughs> but get this. He has this powerful encounter. It's just been a few days. He's already, he's already proclaiming Jesus. But then, get this, he spends 14 years of preparation in the gospel of Christ before rising to his calling of apostleship. He proves he's not a one and done. He proves he's not a mumble and go back to your life. He's proved that he's in this for the long haul. I truly am different. Truly am changed. And in an instant, in a suddenly, his life was set in order, then ordered by Christ. And then... He left a blazing trail for others to follow. And we are still following his words and examples even today. It's all due to a suddenly in his life.
And my question is this, and I'm done. If God has spoken to you in a suddenly and you know it, what is your commitment? What are you going to do with your suddenly? So many people get the born-again experience and then sit on a church pew and never grow, never change, never become who God's called them to be. When the Bible makes it very clear, everyone is called. Everyone has something to do. Everyone has a gifting. Everyone has a talent. Everyone has a purpose. Everyone has a mission. Can you say amen? Amen. Austin, if you'd come. Every hip bowed and every eye closed for just a moment. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your attentiveness. I know it's, we went a little longer than I intended to, but you're still going to make it to Wendy's before the Baptist crowd is gone. <laughs> I pick on the Baptist. I love the Baptist. Please don't misunderstand. Father, I thank you for helping me to be delivered of this word because suddenly is now. There's no time left to waste. Father, in America, we've become an extravagant group of people who waste time in extravagant ways. But I, for one, Father, don't want to waste another minute not another second. I don't want to waste another breath. I don't want to waste any of my gifting, any of my ability, any of my calling, any of my purpose. And as tough as this might be for us to say, Lord, any suffering that must come my way, Father, I'll stand up. I'll do what brings glory to your name. For I'm a sold out, born again, blood bought child of God. I'm not a one and done. I am a child who said yes to your will and to your way, even if it costs me everything. There is no God like you. Mm. If that's you, if that's your heart, if that's what you want, would you just come and stand right here? This isn't about salvation as much as this is about commitment to God. If this is your heart, I'm not asking you to do anything. I'm not asking you to be Pentecostal. I'm not asking you anything but to show God, this is my heart. If you physically cannot, we understand that. Just raise your hand in agreement. 
Father, I thank you for these beautiful souls, Father, who can and physically and those who cannot, who have their hands raised. God, it is our commitment, not as Passion Church, it is our commitment as your children. It's my personal commitment today to say yes every day of my life. I'm not just going to say yes on my Damascus day, but every day of my life. As Paul went on to write, I rise up daily so I can die in the presence of God and carry forth his mission. Father, we are that generation. We want to be recognized as the children, the sons of God. We want the world to know that there is a zealous group of true believers who will not back down, not shut up, not go away, not quit when the going gets tough. Where the dog determined, faithful of the church of Jesus Christ. We are sold out lock, stock, and barrel. And our hearts are committed to God through Christ Jesus. And in the partnership we have with the Holy Spirit, we will pray, we will live, we will move, we will have the fullness of our being all wrapped up in Jesus. With our hands raised and our hearts turned toward you, we say yes to your will to your calling, to your mission, to your purpose, and to the use of the giftful, giftfulness that you have given us. Let every gift in these believers be loosed for the purpose of the kingdom. That when we walk into this place, we are reproducing after our own kind. We are helping those who are just getting started to mature, who will spend the time it takes to get to the fullness of our calling. That we'll be disciplined learners of the truth. They'll stop being lazy about reading the Word. Stop being lazy in prayer. Stay committed, God. That is our heart. And we thank you for our suddenly in Christ and for all the suddenlies we will live through in Christ Jesus. We say yes. 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 So be it. In Jesus' name. Now, before you go anywhere, streaming folk, let me say this to you. I want you to make the same commitment at home where you are. Like these beautiful people here whose heart is given to God. You can be given to God in an instant. And you can have such a transformation that people won't recognize you tomorrow. And it all starts with the simple who are you, Lord? 
And then, yes, Jesus, I will, I will live my life as you desire, not as I desire. So pray with me. Saints, pray with me, Lord Jesus. Here I am, broken by life, messed up, but I need your salvation. Rescue me. Change me. Cause me to be sold out. I choose you. I choose you today and tomorrow and for the rest of my life. I will learn of your word. I will learn how to pray and communicate. I will learn of your spirit. I will be baptized with your baptisms in water and in spirit. And I will not live anymore directed by my flesh and my want and my desire. But for all the days of my life, I'm going to, be, I'm going to live directed by your Holy Spirit. So come now and change me in a suddenly. Make me new. Change my character so that I look like Jesus all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, saints, for helping me pray. If you prayed that prayer, our address will flash on the screen at the end of this message. Be sure to send us a line. Drop us a note, or you can, you can email us. Let us know that you prayed that prayer today because we want to rejoice with you.